Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Kim. Hey, you guys, it's great to be with you today. As Kim said, we did start a new series um, entitled Listen, and that is learning to recognize the voice of God in our everyday lives, finding our way in a noisy world. You know, it's, there's no, it's no surprise for me to say that we're bombarded with a lot of distractions, aren't we? A lot of different voices that enter our heads throughout the days. Um, all kinds of things that we think about. We're bombarded with advertisements, philosophies of life that we are called to live by, media, social media, our internal fear, worry, doubt, concerns that we carry within our heads. We have responsibilities that we need to take care of and demands on our time each attempting to shape and guide our lives. But there's only one voice that comes to us that brings us the life that we all desire. The one voice, the voice of God that brings us the fulfillment that we dream of having. The only voice that we can really experience by coming to know God with all that we are. Last week as Jeff began this series, he started by sharing a familiar story to perhaps some of us of Jesus calling himself the Good Shepherd. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and you are the sheep. We are the sheep. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So in this series, we're going to explore what it means like to actually hear the voice of God. Not only in times of crisis or occasionally, but as a natural rhythm to our days and our life. Which begs the question, is that even possible? Is it even possible to hear God's voice? And I'm here to say, yes, it is. In fact, that's the way God intended it to be. You know, as Kim mentioned, um, Jeff's in Africa with Maher, um, Ted Miyake and the outreach team. And as we begin our time today, we want to take a moment to pray for them. We have men in our church that are away at the men's retreat this weekend. They left Friday night and they'll come back later today. We want to pray for them as well. And then also pray for us during this time. So would you bow your heads? And pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love and for your grace and for the privilege we have to be here today to hear your word. And God, we're so thankful for Pastor Jeff and the leader that he is, the friend that he is to us. We pray for, for him, Maher, Ted, and the outreach team in Africa today. We pray you continue to give your favor upon them, God, that you continue to guide and direct them, that you give them health and unity through your Holy Spirit and bring them back to us safely. And God, we thank you for the men who are up at Forest Home this weekend. We bless you, Lord, for the work you've done in their lives. And we pray now as they're gathered in this moment too up there that you would um, speak to them, God, and continue your transforming work in their lives. And for us this morning, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would create space within us to listen. Lord, would you send your spirit to fill us and renew us and and refresh us this day, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen. You know, when I was young, I thought I would never get married. I just didn't think I had what it took, whatever it means. You know, I was open to the idea, but I literally cannot imagine what it would look like being married, even for a full year, much less the rest of my life. I just couldn't envision it. You see, I grew up with a, a single mom who raised me. My dad wasn't around. There weren't a lot of husbands around to watch in my life as a kid, and I didn't really know what that would, would look like. I do remember as a little kid watching television, and every now and again I'd see like a husband slash dad on the screen, 
And I kind of take mental notes of, okay, maybe that's what it looks like, what it's supposed to be like. One of the first ads I saw was, I don't know if you remember the show Leave it to Beaver. Remember that show, Ward Cleaver? There he is. Remember Ward Cleaver? One thing that stood out to me, he was a great dad, of course, but whenever he drove into the driveway, the whole family came running out to the car. The kids were excited to see their dad. Um, June Cleaver always had the apple pie she'd run to the car with in her heels and so excited to see her husband. And I thought, I like apple pie. That seems neat. I could do that. Good dad. Then, of course, I graduated to the great show, The Brady Bunch. Have you guys seen this? Some of you have seen The Brady Bunch, of course. Mike Brady was a great dad and a great husband. You know, always calm, cool, collected. Always had words of wisdom just at the right moment. Carol definitely loved being with her husband. He was a great architect, as we all know. But it always surprised me that they had six kids in two bedrooms. Never quite figured that out. But good dad, right? Good dad. And then there was this dad. Maybe some of you know. I learned a lot from Homer Simpson of what not to do as a father. A lot of negative things of not to be. And as a husband, of course. But I didn't know what it would look like. I just never knew if I could do it. Fast forward to my mid-20s. I meet the most beautiful woman I'd ever met. She was bright, smart, talented, fun. I met Allison. And I'm like, I love this girl. And we started to date. And we became friends first. Then we started to date and dated for, for a while. And then I hit this moment, guys, and you'll know this moment, it, that, like I had to make a decision to take it to the next level of commitment or not. And that is when I started to freak out. I started to panic. All the good that was happening got, got lost in the fear and the worry. And I started living in here too much. And I just became panicked. And I did something that... Maybe a lot of guys in their 20s do. I, um, on a date, I took Allison down to Corona Del Mar, and we were walking around Coast Highway. I remember passing Pandemone. I, I remember the moment. And I turned to her out of the blue. I blindsided her and say, you know what? I was talking to God, and God doesn't want us to date anymore. <laughs> I know, ladies. Really smooth, right? Really smooth. I said, God doesn't want us to date anymore, and I just really feel like we're supposed to break up, and we'll still be friends, but, and she's like, no, what? She goes, God didn't tell you that, and I, that surprised me, she said that, I'm like, well, I think, I think he did, and, and we're just going to break up, you're great, blah, 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 terrible. Well, a whole year goes by, I talked to Allison maybe twice, and that year, God got my attention. And I started sifting through what was actually his voice and what was fear, worry, doubt, confusion, and started week by week sifting through that, bringing it to God, starting to learn how to surrender what wasn't his voice and all of this stuff to him, and started to really listen. And God gave me just enough after about a year, I'm, I'm a slow learner, <laughs> gave me just enough to say, you need to pick up the phone and call her. And then 30 to 40 days later, literally, I pick up the phone and I call her and I say, Allison, hi, how are you? And I go, would you mind going out to dinner with me? Just give me one chance, come out to dinner with me. And, and in my head, I'm thinking, if I'm making this call, this is probably going to be for a lifetime. I'm not going to like back out again. This is like for real. And I call her and ask her out. And after a long pause, she said, not a chance, buddy. You're out of, no. She didn't say that. She didn't. Fortunately, thank you, honey, for not saying that. 
she went out with me. And I'm like, yeah, she went out and thank goodness the rest is history in a good way. But I was at a crossroads. The point is I was at a crossroads in my life needing to make a decision. And I was hearing all kinds of voices and I didn't know what to do. You know, you and I are bombarded by voices and these crossroads all the time. Decisions you and I need to make. It might be big decisions, like where do I go to college? Do I take this job? Do I continue on in this marriage? Can I overcome this addiction by myself, or do I need to see a counselor? Do I need to go to rehab? Do I make this financial investment? We're faced with these big decisions all the time. But along with those big decisions, we're faced with dozens, maybe hundreds of little decisions every day, little crossroads, some things that are pretty meaningless that we have to decide, and many things that aren't, that we need to sift through and make healthy, wise decisions. All of these voices bombard us. And in the midst of it all, God is trying to speak to us, to guide us, and to lead us. So the question is, Are we open to hearing what God has to say? Are you and I open to hearing what God has to say? If you would, open up your Bibles to John chapter 14. We're going to begin at verse 15. If you don't have your Bible, it's inside the bulletin. You can follow follow along with your bulletin. It'll also be up on the screen. But we're going to look at John 14. And and Jesus, um, recorded in the New Testament, we have... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're called the Gospels. And in the Gospels, we get an aspect of Jesus. We see Jesus in his formal ministry years of age 30 to 33, primarily of him walking with his disciples. In each of the the books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, look at Jesus from a little different angle and direction. And there's this one moment that Jesus is with his disciples that he'd been mentoring, teaching, and preparing for full-time ministry. And Jesus shares with them about a gift that they're about to receive. And this is what Jesus says in verse 15, John chapter 14. Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. All of this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know, God speaks to us in a number of ways. He speaks through us through the Bible. He speaks to us through the words of Jesus. At times, God speaks to us in dreams and in visions. At other times, um, God will speak through us through circumstances that we encounter in our life. At times, God will even send angels to speak to us. And one of the primary ways God speaks is through His Holy Spirit. And His Holy Spirit speaks to our heart and our minds. So when Jesus tells us to the disciples of the gift they'll receive, some of them would have Um, needed further explanation. Like, what is this going to look like and what does it exactly mean? And then others still would have been a little confused but would have had some reference point back to the Old Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is prophesied about. 
The prophets in the Old Testament would speak on behalf of God. And the prophets spoke of this coming Holy Spirit. In fact, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3, it says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my Spirit upon your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. And in Ezekiel chapter 36, the author writes, And I will put my Spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. The Holy Spirit has prophesied in the past. So for us today, who is the Holy Spirit? It's a question I want us to look at. Who is the Holy Spirit? And what does it look like for you and I today to listen and respond to what the Spirit is saying to us? You know, I'd venture to say in our culture in particular, and I know this for a fact because I'm part of this culture, is we don't think a lot about the Holy Spirit. You know, think about God the Father and God the Son, but not much about the Holy Spirit. In some ways, you could call him the forgotten God. In his book, um, The Forgotten God by Francis Chan, which is an appropriate title, he speaks to this. And check out this quote from Francis. Francis writes, You might think that calling the Holy Spirit the forgotten God is a bit extreme, but I don't think so. From my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and for all practical purposes forgotten. While no evangelical Christian person would deny his existence, I'm willing to bet that there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say they've experienced his presence or action in their lives over the past year. And many of them do not believe they can. First thing you need to know about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. You know, the Bible teaches us that there's one God, one God, yet three individual people. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, yet three individual people. Got that figured out? <laughs> If you do, talk to me. It's confusing, isn't it? Okay, one person, but three. I know it's confusing. We don't fully get it, but that's what we learned. One God, three people. You know, I've heard it described, maybe you have too, that God is like an egg, the Trinity, the triune God. You have the shell, you have the yolk, you have that white stuff. One egg, three parts. Okay, that's God's kind of like that. Or maybe you've heard that God's like a three-leaf clover. Three different leaves, but one clover. No, you haven't heard that one? The third one, maybe you've heard too, is that God's like water. You've got water, steam, and ice. One substance, three different manifestations. That God's like all of those things. And in part, the triune God is like those things. And yet, at the same time, God's not. God isn't like anything. God is, God is one in three. The first thing you need to know is that the Holy Spirit is a person as much as God the Father and God the Son are. Second thing you need to know is that the Holy Spirit always existed. The Holy Spirit always existed. The Holy Spirit wasn't created at some point. And before the beginning of time, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existed and were. They they were here. In fact, in the beginning of the Bible, we know the Holy Spirit existed. In the second verse of the Bible... In Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit is mentioned. This is what the author writes. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. 
and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit was part of creation. As you look through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit shows up at different points to guide and direct people. That, and in my mind, growing up in the church, I thought the Holy Spirit was just in the New Testament. And yet you find the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament as well, along with the prophets prophesying of his coming. Well, fast forward from the Old Testament to the New, several hundred years to Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, Jesus' death and resurrection was already history. And Jesus' final 40 days on earth were about to come to an end. And on his last morning on earth, Jesus told his disciples that they would be the ones testifying about who he was to the entire world. And Jesus tells his disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. So a week later, the disciples do go to Jerusalem together. And they go up to a room and they begin waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, it tells us that there were women present as well that were followers of Jesus that were in that room too, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and arrive. And this is what happened in Acts chapter 2. Take a look at, at what took place. It says this. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house while they, where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Just kind of a funny little ad note, isn't it? Some people are like, man, this can't even be possible. So they're sitting in this room, this amazing, they're just waiting. And this moment happens, the Holy Spirit comes. You know, as a little aside, I've kind of, my wife and I have gotten into the TV series on um, NBC called AD, The Bible Continues. Have any of you guys watched this? I think it's pretty good. I, personally speaking, I think it's well acted and, and just, just really well done. But just a couple weeks ago, they had this moment that they, they captured of the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming. And I think they did a nice job. It's, it's one interpretation of what it may have looked like. So I brought that with me this morning. So take a look. John, I'm glad you're all safe. It's good to see you again, Stephen. Matthew. What form will it take? When will it come? Jesus said all we had to do is ask. I have been asking. Every day. The Holy Spirit will come when the time is right. I think we should pray together. Our Father, who is in heaven... Hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I need to take a sigh, a deep breath, take a deep breath. Kind of dramatic entry, wasn't it? This idea the Spirit came from heaven and fell on the people. They spoke different languages. The people were like, what is going on here? And then Peter actually goes out and preaches a very simple message. And the Bible tells us 3,000 people came to the Lord right in that moment. Now, if you're new to God or new to church, when you come to faith in Christ, just so you know, that doesn't happen typically today, so don't be freaked out by what you saw on the screen. Quite honestly, though, when the Spirit comes nowadays um, in our culture, the Spirit, you do feel a difference when you come to faith in God. You feel the Holy Spirit. There's a sense people say of feeling a settledness in their spirit or feeling a joy or feeling peace resting on them. doesn't mean their life's perfect all of a sudden, but they feel the presence of God. Who's the Holy Spirit? The first thing I said is the Holy Spirit's a person. The Holy Spirit's always existed. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit um, lives within every believer. The Holy Spirit lives within every believer. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we confess our sins and turn to God, and we believe in Him and we're baptized in the faith of, of Christianity into Jesus, a follower of Jesus, we are given the Holy Spirit. God comes close to us. That God loves us so much that he wants that type of relationship with us. And that's what this tells us about the Holy Spirit coming into us. 
What it's all about is that God is all about relationship. What we learn is God's about having an interactive, vibrant relationship with us. What we learn is God just doesn't want just, I should say, um, faith, us having faith. God just doesn't want us just to live out justice and care for the poor, although both of those things are, are wonderful. But what God wants more than anything is an interactive relationship with us, an intimate relationship. And that involves conversation. That involves a back and forth where we talk to God and then we listen and learn to train our ears to hear God's voice. You know, for God, there's something about the chase that God really values. The Bible talks about us seeking God and then we'll find him. There's something about the chase. There's something that God loves about us looking for him, waiting on him, not quite knowing how he's going to show up. That God just loves. He loves that pursuit. As much as he pursues us more than we could ever imagine, God likes us to pursue him as well. You know, the Bible gives us a lot of different pictures of what this life in the Holy Spirit looks like and what the Holy Spirit actually does. The Bible has a lot of examples. In your outline, in fact, I've listed out a few. You can look at it. There'll be a few up here on the screen in just a moment. But very briefly, there's a lot to cover, but here's a few things. One is the Holy Spirit practically is sent to guide us and direct us. When we have decisions to make, big or small, we're to rely on God and ask for his guidance and direction and say, Lord, what what would you have me do? And the Holy Spirit is there to guide and direct our steps. Secondly, the Holy Spirit comforts us. And we know this, and those of us who've grieved and In the times where we're sad, we're hurting, and we come to God, when we grieve, the Holy Spirit gives us a comfort that otherwise maybe we never would have felt before. And Our circumstances haven't changed, but we know that God is with us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit helps us with temptation. And when we're feeling um, tempted to do something, we feel that conviction in our heart to, to not give in to that temptation. Holy Spirit brings freedom. He enables us to obey The Holy Spirit fills and renews us. The Holy Spirit teaches us to worship. The Holy Spirit gives us joy. And this is one I never believed was possible for me, but it's true for all of us. And that's this. The Holy Spirit actually helps us share the gospel, the good news with other people. To actually tell people about Jesus, the Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us the ability to do that. As I was preparing this message, I was thinking back to a a trip I took to India a few years ago. And I I had a a friend on that trip named Sean. Sean's an accountant. He would say he's incredibly introverted and doesn't feel that comfortable around people. And he said that's why he became an accountant. He said it's kind of easier that way for him. But he felt a year before this trip that God put on his heart to go to India. And he never wanted to go to India or thought about it. But he goes, that's interesting. So he prayed about it, he looked into it, talked to his wife to get time to go, he raised money, and a year later he was in India on this trip. Now each, each of us had a role on this trip that we had to play, and his was, can you guess what his was? Collecting receipts, keeping the money, he was the accountant. So that was his formal role, but he was open to do whatever God wanted. 
So during that seven days, we did all kinds of ministry. We worked with the poor. Um, we, we served food to people in need. We did a vacation Bible school for orphans. All this kind of ministry took place. And the final two days, we did an evangelical crusade to the lowest caste in India, the poorest of the poor. And it was a crusade of basically music and then people speaking on stage about who Jesus was and asking people if they wanted to come to faith in Christ. And we heard it would be like a big gathering and a few thousand people would come. So we're like, we can't even picture what this would look like. Well, the first day of the event comes, we go out to this big field and people start arriving. And there were at least 8,000 people in this field. The leader said well over 10,000, more than we could count. And you can't even imagine this big field, no seats, and everyone's just there at this gathering at night. And our team is up on the stage, and we're sitting on chairs, and the lights are on us, and we're just sitting there, and the band's playing, and we're just taking it all in. And Sean's sitting to my right, and we're like, wow, this is incredible, wow. And while the band is playing, the pastor walks over to Sean. He walks right past me, goes to Sean, and he says to my friend, do you know John 3.16? And Sean goes, yeah. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Yeah, I know it. And the pastor goes, good. You will preach the sermon tonight. He goes, you only have 45 minutes, but you will preach. Go. And he walks away. My friend turns ghostly white, like Casper the Friendly Ghost, completely white. And he goes, did he just say, and I go, he did just say that. He goes, I don't like people. I don't know what to say. I don't have the words. And he goes, Holy Spirit. He starts praying like he never prayed before. God, give me the words. And within five or ten minutes, he was standing with no notes in front of Eight to 10,000 people with a translator ready to preach the word of God. And do you know what? God showed up. And he was speaking eloquently back and forth to the translator. He shared his story of faith, how he came to Jesus, what his life was like, the broken parts and the redeemed fixed parts, parts God had, parts God had healed. And people came to the front afterwards. There were at least 100. I'm always conservative with my numbers, but at least 100 people came forward to receive prayer. And at the end, Sean sat down, just trembling, but glowing at the same time. Glowing at this peace, a smile I'd never seen on his face. The Holy Spirit showed up for him, gave him the words to say. You know, I want you to think about your own life. Think about your own life, how God has shown up, how God's already guided you. Like, for example, how God's helped you make a decision where you wrestled with it for a while, and then all of a sudden you had a confidence, this peace, a settledness after the wrestling with God of what should I do? Maybe it's a time of great despair that that you lost your job or you lost a loved one, or someone you know is sick, or you are sick. And in a time of of wrestling with this, feeling overwhelmed, all of a sudden you have a, a sense of peace come over you, an overwhelming sense of God's presence. The situation hasn't changed, but you feel different. Or think about a time that God forgave you of something, where you felt this 100 pound weight 
on your shoulders and you finally turned to God and said, God, I'm sorry. And you gave that sin to God and you just instantly felt this weight lifted from you. That's the Holy Spirit. Or here's maybe an example even from today or when you come to church on the weekends to sing. Over time, as you've walked with the Holy Spirit, the songs don't read the same way they did before. The melodies are are different to you. In fact, you'll find yourself occasionally during worship in in a lyric or a melody where you start tearing up and you really connect with what's being said. A transcendent moment beyond just singing a song. That's the Holy Spirit showing up and interacting with you, with us. There's something about being open to the Spirit of God. Are you open to hearing from God? Are you open to hearing from God? One more text I want to read to you. One more story in the Bible. You know, the Holy Spirit, most of what the Holy Spirit does is point us to Jesus. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. And I want to read this one last story of this encounter this man has with Jesus. And I want you to hear this story through the lens of being open. And this is what the story, the moment happens in Mark chapter 7. It says, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. Well, after he had took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. And at this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. There's three things I want to point out to this that the man was open to. The first one is he was open to God showing up. He was open to God showing up. Jesus went out of his way, off the beaten path, It was an unusual way for him to go on this journey, but Jesus had a mission, and he wanted to encounter this man. This man who was already a double outsider. He was deaf, and he was a Gentile. He wasn't Jewish. He was an outsider, and God sought him out. Jesus sought him out. And for us, the question would be, God, God goes out of his way to speak to us. Are we open? The other thing we notice is that the man was open to God's leading. See, Jesus comes up to this man, greets him, and pulls him aside, away from all of the noise. And then he begins to heal him in the most unusual way. He spits on the ground. He he takes the, the spit, and he puts it on the man's tongue. He puts his fingers in the man's ears. And what I want you to catch in this is the man was willing to let Jesus do that. This very unusual approach, the man trusted this Jesus he had never met. He was willing to go along with it. And for you and I, are we open to Jesus doing something new in us that maybe he's never done before? That might seem unusual or unpredictable. Are we open to Jesus doing the same for us? And the one other insight is he was open to the voice of God. Jesus spoke one word to him, be opened, and he was healed. Are you and I open to receive in what God has for us and his voice. Now, a quick little aside. How do we know it's God's voice and not the devil's? Have you ever asked yourself that? 
How do we know if it's God and not the devils? Here's how. Satan's voice always obsesses, worries, condemns, discourages, confuses, pushes, frightens, rushes. God's voice always calms, comforts, convicts, encourages, enlightens, leads, reassures, is still. There's a big difference in the voices. One clear way to know if it's God's voice that's really important is this. If you want to know if it's God's voice, number one, look at the Bible. Double-check the Bible and Scripture and what the Bible has to say. God will never contradict himself. God will never say to you, sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's going to all work out. Or it's okay to cheat on your taxes. It's for a greater good. I can lie about this because it's going to work something out better to the end. God would never say that. That's not his voice. We can know his voice by reading the Bible. And as Jeff again taught us last week about Jesus, his quote, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So what does Jesus' voice sound like? You know, as we come into land, I'm, on your outline, I've got a couple of practical examples. I'm running a little late, so I want to wrap things up. But here's some things you can do at home very practically. The first is just show up. Just like you did this morning, you made time to be here to hear from God. And during your week, just show up. Take time in the Bible and pray. And if you just, have, if you just take five or ten minutes once or twice a day, that's a great place to start. And quiet yourself, turn off the iPhone, any distractions you have, and just say, God, I'm here, I'm listening. What do you have to say? Just show up. The second thing is pay attention. Pay attention. What do you see God doing? What do you hear? As you go through your day, what do you see? What do you hear? You know, so often nowadays, we're the Apple Watch generation, right? iPhone generation. We walk around everywhere like this. Walking around like this. And we miss what's around us. How is God inviting you to to be a blessing to somebody? To give a word of encouragement? To maybe stand with someone as they share their story when you don't have time to listen? And to realize God's saying, I need to stay in this moment. Be aware. Pay attention. The next thing is obey. God wants us to obey. And normally obey means when God speaks, he wants us to do something. And it could be obeying, doing something right and not sinning. That's part of obeying. Sometimes our disobedience keeps us from hearing God. And then other times obeying means risking and taking risks where God's calling us to go and being aware of just stepping into that. The last thing is just to ask. You know, it was pretty profound to me that God said to me this week as I was preparing this is um, God just spoke to me and said, Mike, you just don't ask enough. That I have all this I want to give you. Just, just ask. And I would say that for us today, just ask. If you, if you struggle with hearing God's voice of what that looks like, just, just ask God and he'll show you. Final story, there's a, my favorite author, Brennan Manning, who's a pastor, many years ago received a call and it was from a woman whose, whose father was dying and he was bedridden. And he, she asked Brennan if he'd come over and just visit with her father. And he did, he came over and came into the bedroom. The daughter left And the man who was in bed, the elderly man, said, close the door. Well, Brennan closed the door. And the man said, I'm about to tell you something I've never told anyone before. And that's that I don't know how to hear God's voice. 
The man said, I've read books, I've studied, I've talked to people about it, I've researched it, I've tried, and I've never been able to figure it out. How do I speak to God? And Brennan said, try this. And this pastor noticed a chair along the side of the bed and said, whenever you want to speak to God, why don't you just turn this chair towards you and just talk to the chair as though Jesus is sitting right there. Talk to the chair and then listen of what God would want to say and, and try that. Well, the pastor prayed with the man, left. Two weeks later, the pastor gets a call, and it's the daughter. And the daughter said, I just want to let you know how much your visit meant to my father. And he passed away yesterday. And she said it was like any normal morning. She said, I took his tray for breakfast up to, the, up to his room for breakfast and opened the door, and he had passed away. But the strangest thing, Brennan, I mean, just weird, is apparently right before he died, he laid his head and rested it on the chair. You know, for you and I, that intimacy of that moment is what God has for us. God wants that kind of intimacy with us to find comfort and rest, and God has that gift for us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward, and we're going to end our time in worship and response. And I want to ask you just to stand, if you would. Just take a moment to stand as the band comes up. I've shared a lot of information with you. There's probably a lot going on in your head. And you're about to go into your day here. But in these last final moments, would you risk something with me and try it? Would you just open your hands up like this? So open your hands, and if you feel comfortable, just close your eyes for a moment. Just in these remaining moments. You know, coming to God, it's, it's not rocket science. There's not some formula that we need to follow. It's just about being open. Maybe taking a deep breath. And just for us even now to ask God, what do you want to say to us, Father? Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? What do you want us to know right now, God? Lord Jesus, we just bless what you're doing, Father. Just bless you, Lord. Just pray for more of you, God. More of you to rest over us. God, before we rush into our day, Lord, help us receive from you now, just in these closing moments, God, just more of you. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen.